My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So if you know me, you know I collected jokes about fishing, which is funny because I have never been fishing. And I collect jokes about heaven, and thank goodness I have never yet been to heaven, but here's my heaven joke of the day. Man gets to heaven. St. Peter asks him that important question, did you know Jesus? And he goes, yes, I did. He said, come on in. Peter looks up in the book and he goes, oh, well, you're going to need to get around heaven. Heaven is a very big place. Here is a moped. And he gave him the keys and the helmet to a little moped. And the man looked at Peter and he said, a moped? He said, well, I'm sorry to say that what you drive in heaven is related to the work you did for Jesus on earth. The man said, well, who's that in the Rolls Royce with the little flags? He says, well, that's Billy Graham. He said, well, who's that over there, you know, with the Cadillac? And he says, well, that's Mother Teresa. He said, I get a moped? And he was glad to be in heaven, but he wasn't really happy about the moped. So he's tooling around heaven. And one day, St. Peter comes along, and this man has the biggest grin he's ever seen. He said, what changed? The man said, I just saw my pastor on roller skates. <laughs> the title of today's sermon is, What Will You Drive in Heaven? Now remember, I spend the majority of my day with children between the ages of 5 and 11. James and John were cutters. They cutted. Now that's only a word in elementary school, but it's a very important word. You don't deserve that place in line. You cutted. Now, I want you to know that Jesus did not rebuke them. I want you to hear that. Jesus could have said, oh my goodness, have you not learned anything in all the time we've been together? This is not how the kingdom of heaven works. He didn't rebuke them. And the other thing is that we don't exactly know from this passage why they asked the question. Now, I'll tell you, this afternoon, since the Eagles aren't playing, you got extra time. You could pop over to Luke, and Luke give us a hint why they asked the question. Their mama made them do it. Mama said, you spent all that time with Jesus. You ain't been running the family fishing business. I want to make sure we get something out of this. And, and she pushed them to ask. Now, we don't know that for sure. Luke just says she was there. But they were cutters. They wanted to get Billy Graham's Rolls Royce in heaven. Now, the Jesus asked the disciples and us a difficult question. He said, are you willing to give up everything to save the lost? Remember, a few weeks ago, we were there when Jesus called James and John and Peter and Andrew. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They had already left the family business. They'd already left their homes and their families. And they were wandering the countryside with Jesus. And yet he said, are you willing to give it all up? 
Now, if I were one of the disciples, I would have said, what all is left? Well, Jesus wanted to give one of them to be able to give their lives to him. Now, you know, I work with Christian Endeavor in the summers. When we talk to the teenagers, we call this a 24-7 commitment. You can't just be committed to Jesus from 11 to 12 or 12.05 on a Sunday morning. It's got to be with what you start your day before your feet hit the ground and what you end your day before the head hits the pillow. Now, I want you to know that we have insight that James and John did not because we're 2,000 years past them in history. Eleven of the 12 disciples were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Now, we know that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. One of the rules to be a Pharisee was you had to be married. Search the scriptures wherever you want. There is no record of Paul's wife. And some scholars believe that his wife left him. None of the disciples had a pension, health insurance, a 403B or a 401K. They worked right up until the very end. Now, I got to tell you, that scares this old man. I'm three years away from my school pension, and I'm looking forward to retiring. Vicki and I talk about this. Retirement for me right now looks like I'll still sing at the opera. We knew that. I'll still preach. I'll still counsel, but I don't have to go to school anymore. Those uh, 441 alarm clocks to go to the gym can be much later. And the disciples, I want you to hear this, left their comfortable lives to bring the good news to a needy world. And folks, if you look at the world, we have comfortable lives. My friend Dave Coriel, the General Secretary of World CE, who uh, did Vicky's in my wedding, he says that the, the church is divided into two groups of people. We've heard this before. Honeybees and hippos. And he says, hippos are consumers. They just chomp, 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 and produce nothing. Whereas a honeybee is a builder. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want a seat at the table, be a builder. Be a honeybee. In his book, His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair, Proof Marriage, Dr. Willard Harley states that the biggest challenge in marriage is the perceptual change from pre-marriage to post-marriage. See if this has happened to you or anybody you know. Before marriage, you say to the other person, what can I do for you? After you get married, you say to the person, what will you do for me? As we discussed before, love is, in the Greek, three things. It's a verb, it's a noun, and it's a participle. You can love somebody, you can give love to somebody, and you can be loving, an ongoing thing. Now, if I'm doing a good job, then I'm doing all three of those for Vicki and my children and my church. I should be a loving person. Love does not sit in the same place on the same pew every Sunday. 
love gets out of the pew and does the work of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that when I lead a line of second graders, and sometimes I do, I cannot see or hear everything that goes on. They think I can. I cannot. So if there's a cutter or a line butter or somebody says a mean thing or pulls a ponytail, that's probably me, but pulls a ponytail, I can't see it all. But our Heavenly Father can see it all. And he knows where you belong in the line. So this is not an evangelistic sermon. This is an edifying sermon for the body of Christ. James and John, we know, had already made the commitment to follow Jesus. They're looking for their place in heaven. So I'd like to finish with two anecdotes. I found this and it really struck me. And I, I, I just want you to listen to these and soak them in. The, the author said that there are two kinds of churches. There are maintaining churches and there are mission churches. In measuring the effectiveness, the maintenance church asks, how many pastoral visits are being made? And the mission church asks, how many disciples are being made? When contemplating a form of change, the maintenance congregation says, if this proves upsetting to any of our members, we won't do it. The mission congregation says, if this will help us reach someone on the outside, we'll take the risk. When thinking about change, the majority of members in a maintenance congregation ask, how will this affect me? The majority of members in the mission congregation ask, Will this increase our availability to those around us? Lastly, when thinking of its vision for ministry, the congregation, the maintenance congregation says, we have to be faithful to our past. And the mission congregation says, we have to be faithful to our future. Do you remember the children's story about the three trees? It's not a quiz, I'll tell you. There are three trees in the forest growing straight and tall, and the first tree says, I hope when they come to cut me down, I get to be a cradle. I want to rock a, a beautiful newborn baby to sleep. And the second tree says, oh, when they cut me down, I want to be part of a sailing vessel, one that goes to far-off places, and brings back spices and silk and, and all that wonderful stuff. And the third tree says, I don't want to get cut down. I want to grow taller and taller and taller so that when people see me, I point towards God. Well, the woodcutters came and they cut down the first tree. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, the tree did not get their wish. It was made into a humble manger. And the manger was sold to a family in Bethlehem. And on the night that Jesus was born, that manger served as a cradle for the Christ child. They cut down the second tree, and the second tree was made into a sailing vessel, but not into a long-distance 
ocean liner was turned into a humble fishing boat. And it was sold to a fisherman named Peter. And one day, Jesus came and got into that boat and asked Peter to row him out. And he preached a message to the people on the Sea of Galilee. And when he rowed back in, Jesus said to him, follow me. The third tree, remember, wanted to grow straight and tall and point towards God, but the woodcutters came and cut that tree down as well. And it was made into a a cross. And in that cross, the Son of God was crucified for you and for me. And guess what? That cross, every cross, points towards God. The three trees were humbled, but in the plan of God, they were exalted. That's the way it works. In humility, we give ourselves to God so that our Lord can do great things through us and greater than we could ever imagine. Hear this, for the believer, heaven is assured. When I went through my evangelism, my lips are not working today, evangelism explosion training, they taught me to ask people, if you were to die tonight, would you be sure that you would go to heaven? And most people don't know the answer. Well, I'm here to tell you there's an answer. And the answer is, if you believe in Jesus, the door is open. We've also talked about the fact that there's no second question to get into heaven. Did you believe in Jesus? Yes. Well, did you do infant baptism or believer's baptism? Did you have grape juice or wine or Gatorade? None of those questions apply. Did you know Jesus? Your place as a believer in heaven is assured. But what you're going to drive is not. Jesus called the disciples and us to live sacrificial, sacred, and serving lives. Remember, he used the word diakonos, servant, not doulos, slave. A slave has to follow the rules. A servant chooses to follow. A counseling patient once asked me, What is my purpose? They were truly searching and said, what is my purpose? And I immediately spit out without even thinking, your purpose is twofold. You have to seek and save the lost and worship God. That's what we need to do as a church, as a part of the church universal. We need to seek and save the lost and worship God. Jesus' answer is the same to the disciples. You could say it two ways. Jesus is asking us, what have you done for me lately? Or what will you drive in heaven?